So we started last week talking about uh, the valleys and the peaks, and that, uh, I guess, metaphor for how, how we can sort of treat our spiritual life at times, and also in just our, our everyday, day-to-day life, we, we can certainly have the ups and downs. Uh, I think we would all agree with that. But, you know, one moment we feel like we're, we're soaring high, and the next we feel like we're just in this crashing low, and, and so what do we do in those moments? And unfortunately, the, the thing that we do uh, as believers sometimes uh, is that we mistake those ups and downs for the presence of God. And we mistake those ups and downs for if, if things are going well, then, uh, then God's presence is with me. And if they're not, then, then I must have disappointed him in some way. And that God's uh, presence is not with me. And, you know, we're so hyper-focused as a society on, on the ups and the approvals of others that we put that expectation on God sometimes unintentionally, and especially when it comes to the things uh, that, that happen in our life, our circumstances, our situations. And we can become disappointed in what's happening or what's not happening, and that can end up taking us to a place of, of even depression uh, deep down and anxiety. And so we're going to be looking, as we did last week, talking about contentment, and this week we're going to be talking about uh, some of the other ways in which even our own minds, our own brains, as well as the enemy in the world, throws at us that pulls us down into those, into those valleys and even the false uh, peaks, if you will, in our life. Because that was never God's intention, was for us to just live in those ups and downs. Yet we do, because we're sinful people. And this week, we're going to be looking at something that affects all of us, and that is doubt. We all struggle with doubt uh, in some way, shape, or form. We all deal with it, and we've seen uh, in our lives how people have failed us, and we've likely seen how maybe um, we feel that we've failed God. Sometimes maybe we feel even that God has failed us, uh, and, and our struggles and our weaknesses all play a part in that, and, and because of all of those things and, and, and other factors, uh, we end up wrestling with doubt. But doubt is not a sin, and that may sound weird to hear, but I want to start right there, that doubt is not a sin. It's part of most people's faith journey. I mean, let's be honest. If if you have a relationship with Jesus and, and, and you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that also means that there was a time when you doubted, that you were probably in a place of doubt, whether you would quantify it that way or not, that, that's, that's between you and God. But there was probably a time where you had a, a moment of doubt in a, a place of doubt, and the assurance of Jesus in your life brings you to a different place as a follower of him. But what we do with our doubt is going to impact how we live out our freedom in Christ. Because sometimes, a lot of times, we don't handle it the way that we should. Sometimes we feel like we're wandering in the wilderness. I don't know if any of you have felt that way before. And, and uh, you know, over the last few months, uh, over the last 20 plus months, I think there's a lot of us, a lot of people who would say, I just feel like I'm wandering in the wilderness. So, I don't know if you've felt that way. I've felt that way uh, at times. Um, and when I say wandering in the wilderness, I'm not necessarily saying you're like literally out in the woods and you have no idea where you're at. Um, <laughs> that would also be me because I am terrible with directions. As I have told you, you know, uh, times before, I'm, I'm awful with directions. I'm, I, get, I get lost and, and all of those things. I need to be told when to turn, where to turn, um, all of that stuff. And don't, like, tell me landmarks if you're like, hey, do you know where this place is? And you start giving me, yeah, it's across from Duncan or what? I, I have no clue. I don't know what you're talking about. And don't start using words like east. 
I, you know, just go east. Okay. I don't know what that means. I, I asked the first service, this way is which way? Yes. Somebody told me north. Yes. Yeah, I heard north, first service. I'm going to trust you on that. Because to me, when I think of north, I go, yeah, I'm up, north. Every, I'm an artist, right? So everything I visually and all that, like north, every compass I've looked at is up, is north. So I'm going to go with that. And even if you did tell me, yeah, you, you need to go north to go this place, that would mean nothing to me. I would still get lost. I would still get lost. That means nothing to me. I praise God for turn-by-turn navigation. Um, and, uh, you know, it makes me think of this time. I was, I don't remember how old I was. I was probably about 16, might have been 17. Uh, my cousin, uh, Danny, was living up here um, with us for about a year or so. I, I talked about him a couple of weeks ago, and he was kind of like a big brother to me. And, and I don't remember where we were going, um, but, uh, but I was with him, and I had had my driver's license for, you know, like 10 minutes, and, uh, and thinking I knew where I was going. And we were driving somewhere, and I told him that I knew how to get us back home. We ended up in Dalton um, before I was like, okay, I'm, I actually don't know where we're going. We need to pull over and call. And so we called my dad and he's like, you're where? You know, and, and he's like, go east. Or and I'm like, I don't know what that means. But um, so he ended up, you know, helping us, you know, get, get back on, onto a road and, uh, and all of that. But, uh, you know, what, what if help didn't come? What if, what if my dad wouldn't have answered the phone? We didn't have GPS or any of that stuff. Yeah, I'm showing my age here um, and all that. But, you know, when we get in those moments and we're wandering in the wilderness and it feels like help doesn't come and we reach out and, and it, maybe it's silence, we get in those times, suddenly these thoughts and these feelings come up and these what-ifs that come into our head and into our heart, they suddenly take us to a place of already And we get these false perceptions of where we are or where we're not. And life can feel that way sometimes. Life can feel that way sometimes. We take a wrong turn. We really didn't know where we were going in the first place, maybe. We weren't paying attention to the directions that were maybe from God. There was a detour and Siri didn't reroute me. (laughs) We wonder where God is in those times. And we don't feel his presence and, you know, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, we drop into a valley. And you say, I don't know which way to turn. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know why this is happening. And I certainly don't see the purpose in it. So God, I hope you do. Let's be honest. Have you ever been in that place? These times where we drop into this this level of despair, depression in our life, they start turning into seasons, not just a moment, but maybe some things start turning into, into lengths of time and you start feeling like, gosh, it's been this way for a while. We start telling ourselves that God has abandoned us, even though we know better. And a lot of people have gone to the peaks and the valleys over the last 20 plus months. You know, when Moses put all of his doubts before the Lord at the burning bush, he lays those things before the Lord at the burning bush and the key to the situation there was not what Moses was bringing to the table. It's not what he could bring to the task. It was who was on Moses' side. It was who is with Moses, and that's the Lord. Who's there supporting him? And you know, the Lord changes the focus of Moses in that moment, changes his thinking from himself to God, right? From human ability to divine purpose and divine potential. 
Listen, wilderness moments are not abandonment. We fool ourselves and we listen to the lies. But listen, wilderness moments are not abandonment. That's where we end up going, but it's not the truth. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness after murdering an Egyptian, and that was not banishment, and that was not abandonment by God. In fact, it was actually part of God's grace. It was part of God's grace, and it was part of God's plan. When the Israelites, when they were wandering around in the wilderness after they had been delivered from slavery in Egypt, it was the wandering in the wilderness that tested them and that pointed them back to God, even though their resources were extremely limited. They had very limited resources, but at the same time, God still provided for them, didn't he? He still provided for them. So let me ask you this. Could the valley that maybe you feel like you're in right now, that you're wandering around in, could that actually be a part of God's grace? That's kind of the hard question now, isn't it? Could, could the wilderness that you seem to be lost in could that actually have the fingerprints of God all over it? Based on what we know of God through the truth of his word, through the truth of scripture, and because of his faithfulness, I believe that that's the case. You're like, but Jay, I still have these doubts. I still have these doubts, and, and those doubts, they're keeping me in the valley, and they make the peak that I would love to get to, they make that seem unreachable. I get it. I get that perspective. And you know what? Jesus gets that. Jesus gets that perspective. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 9. You can follow along in the Bible app. Gospel Mark chapter 9. And uh, if you go in the Bible app, go to Connect Church in Akron, Ohio, and you can follow along with me there. Um, but this is a story that I want to read, and, and we're going to read about 10 verses. And I want to read the entire story to you. I want you to hear it in context, and then I want to break it apart for a minute, because I think we're going to see ourselves, I think we're going to see the Lord a little bit differently and in a relatable way. So we're going to start in verse 14. Let's read this here. It says, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit, and that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Think about the position the father's in here. He's seen this, this demon 
torturing his child for years. He's at the end of his rope. He's desperate. Doesn't know what to do. But see, he did believe in Jesus' power to help the boy, but he also recognized his doubts. He recognized his doubts. And I want to look at what this man said at the end. I want to break apart this last sentence because you know what? That was probably the most honest statement that Jesus had heard all day. It was probably the most honest thing he'd heard because when, by this time, Jesus was, was well known for the things that were, that were happening. And when Jesus would show up, people would posture, you know, to the honesty of this man to actually put his doubts out there and say, here's where I'm at. This is just, this is how I feel. And to be able to say that, there was probably no one else around there that had the guts or was at a place of desperation so much that they were willing to just say that because everybody else was probably posturing. And he starts that sentence that I believe changed the way that Jesus handled this whole thing with three words, I do believe. He starts with his belief, I do believe. You know, there is a connection between belief, faith, and trust. There's a connection between belief, faith, and trust. And in scripture, there are many times, many times where the word belief and trust are actually interchangeable. Where it says belief, but, but you could use the word trust. And this is one of those times, right, for you and your life to, to really battle these seasons that we get into, these seasons of doubt, belief needs to equal trust. Belief needs to equal trust when you're in these seasons of doubt. And we're all going to go through seasons of doubt. But you know, this, this father, he did something amazing. He did something amazing right here. He acknowledged that he, that he did believe he acknowledged that he did believe, even if he had doubts. And clearly, he wanted his son to be healed. He wanted his son to be freed from the evil spirit that was trying to kill him. Absolutely, he did. But the father was desperate, and he likely followed every piece of advice that had been given to him. I mean, let's be honest. When we're in places of desperation, you're rarely searching for someone to give you advice, right? There's always somebody who's willing to give you their advice and their two cents, but you can imagine that when Jesus came around, when Jesus comes around the father there, he, he went to him because he had already asked Jesus' disciples, he'd already asked the followers of Jesus to help him, and nothing changed. Nothing changed. And he had heard incredible things about Jesus, of course. And he believed that Jesus could heal his son, but he was just being honest here. And in verse 22, he actually looks at him and says, if you can, uses that phrase, if you can, when asking Jesus to heal him. And so does this show belief or does this show doubt? I think it shows a little bit of both. And I think it shows a whole lot of honesty because the if wasn't in regard to what Jesus could do, right? It was actually in regard to the man's faith. That's really where he was coming from with that. It was in regard to the man's faith and it's why Jesus responded by saying anything is possible if a person believes. Anything is possible if a person believes. Genuine faith, trust, and belief lead to action. Those things lead to action. You see it in scripture all the time. And that's why he said, that's why the man said, help me. He said, help me. His action step, right? His genuine belief and faith and trust led to his actions. And his action step was simply to say, help me. Help me. Because of his belief, 
This was a declaration of humility and surrender. Humility and surrender. Do you find it difficult to ask people for help? Be honest with yourself. Some of you are like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. There are times I do, and there are times I don't. For me, it's kind of situational. It depends on what it is. But you know, asking for help, that's a step of humility. But if you've made mistakes, godly humility, godly humility is gonna guide you back to the path of freedom. And it's gonna help you to start getting out of the valley that you feel like you're in. Sometimes when we're in the valley, the place we need to start is humility. We need to start in a place of humility. Notice that the father didn't just ask Jesus to heal his son, which he did, but he also asked Jesus to help him overcome his unbelief and his doubt. Declaring and admitting our need for help can be tough, especially for guys. That can be tough for us sometimes. But admitting that we don't have it all together, that requires humility. But you know what? True humility, true humility draws us closer to Jesus. It draws us closer to Jesus. Why? Because it allows us to experience the freedom in Christ and return to that path of freedom that we've gotten off of when we messed up. Because when we are in a state of true humility before the Lord, we're in a place of surrender. And to humbly ask Jesus for help, it's one of the most powerful things that we can do. Because it will draw us closer to him. And why do I say that? Because where we're at right now, humbly asking Jesus for help means prayer. And I believe prayer is one of the most powerful things that we can do. It's one of the most powerful things, one of the most underutilized things as a believer. One of the most underutilized privileges that we have is to go before the throne but it means admitting that we don't have it all together. And you know, I think Jesus would have actually handled this differently if the father had just said, please heal my son, and left it right at that. I think he would have handled this. I'm not saying Jesus wouldn't have healed him. I just don't know if Jesus would have handled it the same way if he would have just stopped right there with please heal my son. The father also knew of his doubt, and he was honest about the wilderness that he was walking through because he certainly was. He was walking through a wilderness. And so he asked Jesus to help him not only heal his son, but he says, help me overcome my unbelief. What a moment of honesty. Help me overcome my unbelief. See, it's not wrong to have doubts. When we have doubts, we can go to Jesus with them. We can ask for his help. We can look for the truth. What's wrong is just sit in your doubt. It's just, just sit in your doubt and not, and not push toward Jesus and not pushing for answers. We need to look to the truth. We can listen to what the truth of God says because he wants to help us. He wants to heal us because he loves us. You know, immediately after the dad made this statement where he said, you know, help me with my unbelief, Jesus healed the boy. He immediately went and healed the boy and he cast out the demon. You can read the rest of it. We're not going to read it together here right now. But he didn't criticize the dad, as you read. He didn't criticize him. He didn't just say, well, never mind then. You don't believe, so peace. It says in verse 27, actually, that Jesus took the boy by the hand, and he helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Jesus healed him. He helped him. 
See, doubt doesn't make you awful. Doubt makes you human. It doesn't make you awful. But not honestly handing over that doubt to Jesus is going to keep you from moving forward. It's going to keep you from moving forward. Not being honest with Jesus and yourself about it is going to allow doubt to chain you up and keep you in the valley. And getting out of the valley looks impossible when you are chained to the lies of doubt. It looks impossible when you're chained to the lies of doubt. And, and you better believe that there are many lies that come to us when we're in a place of doubt. The lies of doubt, the lies of doubt tell you to be ashamed of your doubt. I think as believers, something that we wrestle with, and this is going to sound circular, but we, we feel like, okay, well, I'm, I'm a believer, so I shouldn't doubt. And so because I doubt, I've disappointed God, so I doubt my doubt, right? You know what I mean? And so like, I'm, I'm not actually doubting because I'm a believer, so I can't doubt. And, and we start playing this mental game with ourselves, and we just confuse ourselves. And I believe that's the enemy because the lies of doubt, they tell you that you're not worthy to talk to Jesus because of your doubt. Oh, I doubt, so I'm not, I'm not worthy. They tell you that you're stupid. They tell you that, that you aren't good enough and that you aren't worth it. They tell you that you messed up so bad and then that this season, this wilderness you're walking through, this is your punishment. That's what the lies of doubt tell you. They're just from Satan. Those are lies from the enemy and they're also lies that we tell ourselves. But Jesus knows your heart and he knows it in the most honest way. And so do maybe... You need to be honest about your own heart to yourself. See, this is a total dependence on God, and it is the remedy for many of our spiritual problems. Total dependence on God is the remedy for many of our spiritual problems. And to be disappointed with yourself is to have trusted in yourself. And when we trust in ourself, we're going to come up short every single time. Mark 9, 24 I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Have you ever felt like you both believed and doubted at the same time? Me too. Been there. See, the father did believe in Jesus' power to help the boy, but he also recognized his doubt. Maybe you need to take this verse and pray this verse as a prayer. And it might be the most honest prayer that you have prayed in a long, long time. God hears his people and he is not going to leave us without a rescuer. And along the journey, in and out of the valleys and the peaks, because they're going to continue to be there, the freedom that God wants us to have through Jesus. Jesus wants to walk through our doubts with us that's why the connection point for the day is this. Bring your doubts to Jesus and know that he is faithful. Bring your doubts to Jesus and know that he is faithful. Because he is. We can doubt a lot of things because we're human. And as I said, it doesn't make you awful, it makes you human. We've all got different things that we doubt and different ways that we doubt but are we taking those to the Lord? Are we just pushing them away? Are we letting those take us to a place that we shouldn't be? See, doubt's not a sin, as I said, 
but it really can derail our faith if we don't examine it. So we need to take our doubts to Jesus and we need to ask him for help. And we can feel guilty because of our doubts, but Jesus does not reject us when we struggle to believe. If he did, we would all be in trouble, myself included. So where do you need help from Jesus today? Honestly, be honest with yourself. What doubt or doubts do you need to take to Jesus this week? Maybe even right now. And if you doubt that God is real, I I hope if, if you're here and you even doubt that God is real, you're watching online, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're watching. You're welcome, even if that's how you feel right now. Don't listen to the enemy who's saying, oh, you shouldn't be here, you shouldn't be watching. I'm glad you're here, but maybe you need to test that doubt. Maybe you need to to test that doubt with with the Lord. Maybe you need to ask some questions. I'm glad you're here. Let's let's talk about some questions. Let's, Let's get into it. What would it look like for you to replace that doubt that you're feeling with truth. Whatever situation you're in, whatever wilderness you feel like you're wandering in right now, and I'm talking to all of us, what would it look like to replace that with the truth of God's word? Because if there's anything that we know that we, that we should have no doubt of, it is the truth of God's word. Because it is truth. Will you bow your heads with me? Listen, if you're struggling to hold on to the truths that you may have believed strongly in the past. Listen, you may have fallen away and you're doubting because of things that have happened, because of circumstances, because of stuff that's gone on in your life, because of people that have given you bad advice or because of where maybe you've, you've failed yourself. You feel like you failed God. Listen, spend some time telling Jesus about your doubts. Will you do that right now? Will you spend some time telling Jesus about your doubts? And then I want you to sit and listen. Maybe you need to do that this afternoon. Maybe you need to do that this, sometime this week. See if Jesus has something to tell you. Ask him to help you with your unbelief. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, and I thank you for the truth of your word, and I thank you that you love us no matter what. I thank you that we can bring our doubts to you. Lord, just because we're believers doesn't mean we have to have it all together. In fact, we don't. And in many ways, coming to you, Father, helps us to realize how much we really don't have it together because we fall so short. But you love us so much. As it says in Colossians, Lord, because of your love, we can stand before you holy and blameless without a single fault if we put our trust in you. And so, Lord, if if there's one here or watching online that hasn't put their trust in you, God, whatever's holding them back, whatever doubts are holding them back, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would push through that, that you would push those aside and that they'd be able to deal with their doubts directly with you and to come to know you and put their trust in you and you alone, Lord, because putting our trust in anything else should give us doubt. So Father, I pray that if, there's, if there is one that doesn't know you, today would be that day that they would come to know you. Lord, I pray that you would be with each and every one of us as we're wrestling with this question today and this week. 
as to where we are with our doubts. God, I pray that we would be honest and bring those to you, Lord. Help us with our unbelief. This is something we're all going to struggle with until you come back and get us, Father. Let's just be honest. I think sometimes we're not even honest when we come to you. So, Lord, help us to be. We need you, Father. It's all for you. It's all because of you. And we give you the glory. And we worship you for loving us no matter what. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.